You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You know, one of the most powerful things and how I'm actually very sure, one of the, the first foundational things that I realized, wow, Jesus is real, is when I gave my life to Jesus, I gave, gave Jesus a try when I was... 13 at a summer camp. I said, okay. I had a plan. Plan was parties, girls, and uh, football. Thank you. You guys all know my, my old core values. I was going places. I was destined for that guy who peaked in high school. That was my goal. <laughs> I could throw a football a mile. <laughs> As God saw this broken kid, and he, and he encountered me. But how I know it's real is he began to change my responses. You see, our responses at our core are the most exposing thing to how we see the world. Like, really think about it. Our responses, because for all my type A people that like to-do lists and control and all that stuff, uh, you all know that you make a perfect plan for the day, and then what happens? Somebody comes and messes it up. The world would be so easy if it wasn't for people and problems, right? But, you know, we make a plan, and we don't always have a lot of control of what comes at us, but we always have control of what our response is. Some of you, your spouse is elbowing you like, I don't know if you actually have control of your responses, okay? But, <laughs> but God designed you to have control of your responses. And responses are so beautiful because responses directly pinpoint, if we allow the Holy Spirit, they will directly pinpoint where your belief system lies, right? And so today, as we're getting ready to go into Christmas, I want to give this message, give just from the Word of God, a gift to you about allowing Jesus to begin to be the Lord of your responses. Because I'm telling you that... um, If you'll allow the Holy Spirit to have that territory, if you'll say, Holy Spirit, I want you to start to work with me on my responses, you'll be amazed the growth you can have. All of you guys have probably heard of the story of Joseph and he got sold into slavery by his brothers, okay? Let me, me, if you read that, what God did, one of the many things he did in his processing to becoming the second most powerful man in the world, only to Pharaoh, from this boy who was a bit spoiled and cocky was God began to shift his response. See, God gave him a vision that he was going to be very influential, important over his whole family when he was a kid. You know what his response was when he was a kid? I'm going to brag about this to everyone. And it made his brothers jealous and angry. Now, fast forward, he's gone through a processing begin to learn how to respond with the Lord. And his brothers are before him, don't even, they don't recognize their own brother because he's growing up and he's powerful and he has a different Egyptian name now. And his response is completely different to his brothers. He doesn't walk in the room, see, I told you. No, in fact, he's very quiet about it. He begins, he begins to try to restore the relationship and let them know that even though they did something for good, God is good or better than your, or they did something for bad, but God's good outweighed your bad. And God actually used this whole thing to fulfill the dream that made you mad in the first place. But it's, it's God preparing your response. Moses is a good example. Hot headed young, young adult, 
sees his people being persecuted, murders a fool, okay? Not quite the response God was looking for. So God's like, let's take him in the desert for about 40 years and work on him a little bit. So when he goes back to free the people, his first response is, I'm going to kill everyone. But it's more of a tactile, let me show you how powerful God is, right? There's, there's a process. And so a lot of times as we allow God to process, we'll begin to I find our identity in Christ. We'll begin to find the, the chinks in our armor based off of our response. But it all comes down to response. In fact, the title of my message is The Playbook, Your Response to Win. Have you noticed that everything in God's kingdom starts with a response? Because God has already done it all. That is the crazy thing about this gospel is that Jesus said, you're not going to do this in your own strength. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't be good enough to meet the standard of perfection and holiness that is God. So Jesus will take the payment for the lack and cover you so that when God comes and says and measures your life and says, are you coming to the kingdom? He sees Jesus covering on you. His forgiveness, his perfection has been transplanted on you. So you're not working for love. You're working from love. And that's such a critical thing to understand as a Christian. You're already loved, accepted, and chosen by God. And then you believe that, and then you work from that place and begin to see your responses shift. Your responses to people talking bad about you or gossiping, your responses. And there's three areas of life that I see the most, in my opinion, the most hostile responses that actually kind of train wreck our kingdom journey with God. And so I want to hit those up. But before I do, I want to lay the foundation first. You have got to know in your heart that God is good. He's good all the time. He's for you. And he rewards our obedience. He rewards it in this life. It's not for salvation. But he does reward us stepping into his principles. It's, it's just like gravity. It's, it's neither here nor there. It's just if I step off here, there's a principle called gravity. And I'm going to go down to where my feet touch the ground. The same is true with God's principles in his kingdom. That when we apply wisdom, when we apply generosity, when we apply the fruit of the spirit, the fruit comes out of our life and blesses. But if you don't have that fundamental knowledge that God is good and he loves you then your responses are always going to be skewed because you're not starting at the foundational point of God is good all the time and all the time God is good and he is for you. He is for you. So I just want to lay that foundation before we go any further. Okay, so God uses our response. He actually will test our response. The Bible says this. And, and, and uh, Christians, as you go along in your journey, you begin to crave, God, can you, can you get in here and expose and help me shift and grow and change the way I see things? David, King David did this and his son Solomon. So Proverbs uh, 17.3 says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Psalms 26, David says this. He says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. He's looking for God to examine his responses. Uh, Psalms 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. 
Anxieties are a really good way to pinpoint. Your response, if you're having a response of anxiety, that's such a good way for the Holy Spirit to pinpoint. Why? Oh, I'm just so stressed about my finances. Okay, well, what's the... What's the truth you believe? Do you believe God's your provider and he's going to take care of you? Are you sitting under tithers' rights? Can you claim that on your Bible? Do you, do you, are, you, are, you, are you exercising generosity? Because there are all promises that God attaches to those things. But if we have anxiety, it's not a condemn. That's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. He is so kind that he doesn't try to expose. In fact, the Bible says that to love someone is to cover a matter. So God is very covering. He protects, he loves, but he, in, in his goodness, he likes to say, hey, he'll tap you on the shoulder. Hey, how come you're freaking out right now? Or how come you're so mad about this? Why is this throwing you off the rail? Why have you pretty much lost your salvation over this? What's that person said? Like what's, he likes to point that out because he tests and reveals where our worldview is, where our belief is. So we want to be attentive to the responses. And these are the three areas that I see so many opportunities for the Holy Spirit to deal with responses. Okay. So I'll start with the first one. How do you respond to temptation? And I'm talking about, you know, the fleshly temptation. I'm talking about the thing you kind of know you shouldn't do. Oh man, I probably shouldn't go out to the club this Friday night. Probably shouldn't be cruising for the ladies right now. But, but eh, I'm, I'm thirsty, so I'm going to go do it, okay? You're, you're making a, you're, you're choosing to respond to the flesh. You're choosing in that moment. And look, here's the first thing. We all, as a human, as a human species, we get that. Isn't it funny how the devil make you think you're the only person that sometimes, you know, it's been a long day and you want to go to name, name your vice, whatever it is, name your thing. And, and you think I'm the only one that, no, we have a flesh nature that Jesus has come in and crucified and we are a new creation, but we still have old mindsets and old habits that the Holy Spirit begins to work out of us. And I want to, if you're, where's your response here to help guide you into like letting the Holy Spirit do what he intends to do in your life? Because you know what sin leads to? Can I just tell you, here's the problem with sin. Sin is fun in the moment or you wouldn't do it. I know some people are like, oh, that's so, your religious spirit, like, oh my gosh, you can't say that. But it is. Y'all wouldn't struggle. I wouldn't struggle if it didn't have a moment of satisfaction. And for us to lie about that and be all holy and be like, no, I'd never struggle with, you know, no, stop. Okay. (laughs) Stop. There's an element where it's scratching an itch or it's having a need in our flesh. (sighs) So we've got to then recognize that how we respond here. And let me, let me just start with the Bible. Okay. So when faced with temptation, Matthew 26, 41 says this, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Anyone ever felt like that? Man, I really want it. Paul, Paul wrote, great. If, you, if you're struggling right now, temptation, read Romans 8. Paul does such a good job. He's like, man, I do the things I don't want to do, and then the things I do want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I do. What a wretched soul am I, but thank goodness Jesus has forgiven me, and he's making me new, and he's fulfilling. He's setting me free. He's bringing me breakthrough. He's processing me, but he's recognizing his response dang, when I get triggered and I have a long day and all the stars align, this is whatever, X, okay? 
So he says, watch and pray. Can I tell you the power of when he says watch? Here's what I think he's trying to, he's, this is actually Jesus talking to Peter, telling him, hey, you better get your head on straight because the whole crucifixion thing is going to happen. You're going to betray me. Okay? He's like warning him. He says, you're going to be in fear. You're going to doubt all the things I've been teaching you about my resurrection. You're going to come to this place and you're going to respond out of fear. He was giving him a warning, but he said, watch. And what he was saying is, watch me. See, this is happening in the garden of the Spirit. He's saying, watch me. Stop looking at the issue that you're struggling with and begin to watch me. Thank you, John. That is a good point. I used to ride mo motorcycles till I flipped one in downtown San Diego and I don't need more. But anyways, uh, when I was in motorcycle driving training, they would teach you wherever you look is where your bike's going to go. So it's great that you want to make this sharp turn that way. But if you look at the guardrail, you're going to hit the guardrail. Look at where you want your bike to land when you're making a turn because you're leaning into it and your eyes are going to calibrate to what your lean is going to calibrate to your look. That's a good word. Your lean will calibrate to your look. If you are always, if your whole Christian life is about stop doing X, don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit will convict. And sometimes we got to stop doing X. But if everything you look at every day, oh, I can't do that. You wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm not going to, today, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it today. Not today. Okay, you're driving the car. Okay, not today. Not today. Not today. Your, your brain doesn't have a don't. If I say, don't think about a pink elephant, I said don't. But your brain doesn't understand don't. It doesn't have a don't. It just pulls files up. So if you're constantly in this filing, oh, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail. Instead of looking to who Jesus is and saying, Jesus has got a great plan for me. Let's say your thing, is, is, your thing right now is you're single and it's the opposite sex or... You know, it's, it's that. That was my thing in high school. I got saved. Did a lot of really bad decisions in the girl department. But anyways, um, had to learn to change my responses and set myself up for success. But I was always worried about the mistake instead of thinking, man, God has Loren Tuggle picked out for me. And she's a babe in black plaid, black and white plaid. She's going to have white pants and boots and just, just make sure you're focusing all this crazy energy towards one target. You know, if I, if I begin to look at what Jesus has for me, watch Jesus, watch things change. So much transforms in our life. If you can just create a daily Bible reading plan, meditate on his word, pray. That's why we have every week, Tuesday, 5.30, men's prayer, Thursday, 6.30, or 9.30 with childcare, ladies, women's prayer, which, by the way, the ladies have beat the guys. That has never happened. So, well done, ladies. We celebrate you. It's all one team. Now, earmuffs, gentlemen, show up. <laughs> not, not in my house, okay? We're going to lead, men. Don't let your wife do the leaning. If your wife's going to prayer and you're not. <laughs> I, love, I love my couple people that are like gluttons for like, yeah, give it to me harder, pastor. <laughs> Rich Bogle, always wanted to grow. <laughs> Watch and pray, okay? Pray. Prayer elevates you to a different expectation. 
You know, there's some things I don't do just because, honestly, I don't have time to waste with that. Because my vision for where I'm going to go, right? I don't got time to embezzle money from my business partner because where we're going to go, we need all that money to reinvest because we're going big. We're going all the way. See, my vision's too big to make dumb choices, right? I'm thinking about my great-grandkids and the legacy that me and my wife will give. So I don't got time for so-and-so on the side. I don't got time for that. I've got time because what I'm going to do for my boys and what I want to set up. So just refocus, okay? Next thing to do with temptation, really simple. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Don't isolate. If you're struggling with something, I don't care what it is. Right now, you're, you have an addiction problem. You have a lust problem. You have a lying problem. You have a stealing problem. You have a cheating problem. Don't struggle alone. Jesus has the answer, and he's going to use people to bring breakthrough, but the devil does his finest work in isolation. So I'm not saying go and, so, and post on your Facebook or your Instagram all of your sins and everything you're struggling with. That is not true accountability. That's fishing for it's okay. okay. But what I am saying, get in a connect group, get in community, and have a couple people that are in the inside inner circle know your ish, and still love you. And you know what happens? You'll probably end up helping and freeing that person that you shared with. I've seen it happen, man. I remember one time we were in this like guys accountability group. This is before I had a, like a Holy Spirit church. It was just kind of this thing. And it was so dry and so stale. It was like, every, there was like 12 guys and we're all like, just asking for like lame stuff. Like, oh, you know, just help me with my test because it's in high school, right? Help me with my test. And, you know, and then this one guy steps up and he just goes, guys. And he's, he was like a, like a rock star. Like he was like the senior in our youth group. And I'm like a sophomore. I'm like, dude, it's Mark. Mark's awesome. You know, Mark can drive, you know, Mark had it all. He had a car. And Mark just goes, guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm struggling. I got drunk last Friday at a party. I'm smoking. And I just, I want to want to stop. And it was like all of us cowards that couldn't get real were like, hold up, can I get a redo? Can I get, like, what? And then it did. It happened. We went around again. And at the end, all 12 guys are crying. I love you, bro. We got this. You know? It, (laughs) It was a beautiful moment because one person had the courage to be honest. So don't do life alone. And finally, but put the Lord Jesus and make no provision for flesh or fulfill its lust. Romans 13, 14. We just got to not give that sin provision. You know, like I give you a real honest, transparent young man thing. Okay, like I said, girls are kind of the struggle. High school. I was determined to wait until marriage, but I, I made a lot of provision for me to fail in that area. I set myself up and made a lot of provision for the temptation to be extra, extra, extra. You know what I mean? And so I needed to actually pivot and have a little bit of a holy attitude and go, you know what? If go back a little bit. So if X triggers Y and Y is the thing you don't want to do, maybe you let God begin to work on X. Maybe you got to move the battlefield away from where if you lose the battle, you lose the war and move it back to like, so I've noticed that when I haven't, if you're a sanguine like me, if I go more than a week without just a casual hangout that has nothing to do with like 
like me being a pastor. I need to just have fun and be a little rowdy. If I don't have that, I begin to get a little bonkers because I'm a sanguine. You know, introverts like, what? That doesn't make, no, but I need, I need like an infusion of just random entertainment and fun with other people. And if I make sure I'm healthy there, that helps me a lot with some of the other places I go that I don't want to go. So that's a freebie, but don't make provision for your sin. Set yourself up for the win. Ooh. Oof. That's not, that's not even in my notes. Finally, I'll say this. Ephesians, <laughs> don't make provision for your sin. Set yourself up for a win. Okay. Ephesians 6, 13 and 17 says, there, says this. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. You know what's really interesting? The only offensive weapon mentioned in the armor of God is the word of God. That's how we overcome. We've got to actually get the word into our spirit and begin to allow our worldview to be shaped by, by the word versus whatever, however you got your worldview. Parents, Nickelodeon. I don't know where you got your worldview. I probably got some of mine from Nickelodeon, if I was honest, as a kid. The Rugrats, they shaped everything. <laughs> Spectre Gadget, that's what set my whole mindset up. There we go. <laughs> uh, I love talking cartoons. Like, you can completely date people, and also, like, uh, people are like, oh, yes, I remember that. Anyways, uh, point number two, how, to, how we respond with finances. I told you, these are the three areas where I see when it comes to response if we don't allow God in, you see people's lives get hijacked, right? You'll see it either somebody does something really, makes a huge moral failure in their marriage or whatever, or something really tough happens in finances. And then the third point, uh, you know, give you guys a teaser here, is going to be how you respond to your spouse. Because honestly, if you get those three healthy, life is so much more blessed. Can I get an amen? Like if those three... If you've got your, your flesh under control and you've got your finances in order and you've got you and your spouse are connected and doing good, like that's a great foundation for God to be building the rest of his blessings off of. So I want to hit this here. How do you respond in finances? You know, I, the t- principles of God when it comes to generosity and finances, they'll get tested sometimes. It's not like every time I tithe, I go, okay, Lord, here's my tithe. And then I walk out and somebody throws, you know, rolls of money at me outside, says, oh, you're blessed. You know, like that's, that actually has never happened yet. Yet, amen, Rich. I don't, I don't know how I'd respond. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, is that, you know, there, there have been seasons in, in our financial world where, God allowed the situation to test what my worldview is. Do I actually believe that when the Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, do I actually believe that? Do I believe that those who give sparingly reap sparingly, but those who give generously reap generously? Do I actually believe that there's power in my generosity and that it's actually in heaven creating the ability for me to create wealth? Everything I just said is in the Bible, but just FYI. And I can, I'll read some scriptures real quick here just to, but with our finances, <coughs> excuse me, cheers. 
Do we stress over finances? Do you know that the Bible actually says that that, that, that response to finances is coming from an unbiblical word, worldview? Matthew 6, 31 says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles, those who don't know Jesus, seek. But first, uh, yeah, Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Doesn't rebuke you for saying, you know, I'd like to be dressed and I'd like to eat food. He's not, <laughs> he's not rebuking that. He says, yeah, yeah, no, God knows. God knows. But those can't be your core, your core pursuit. I love what Pastor Vince was sharing up here. So brilliantly, by the way, so prophetic when you're leading. But just talking about in his own personal journey, when he hitched his finances to the kingdom, things started to really shift. And he would ask himself before, well, how much is too much? What would make me greedy? But when you're hitched to the kingdom and you, every dollar in your thing is a soldier or a missionary that you have, you say, hey, you are going to go build an orphanage and you are going to put a roof overhead and you are going to do this. When, when you have control and you have the power of generosity, you start to realize the more money I make, the more the kingdom advances. And nobody said you had to keep all of it. No one says you can only give 10%. Right? So if you're like one of those people like, oh, man, they're, look at this. They're talking about money. Look, if, <laughs> be nice. Be nice, because I've been here. The most powerful thing anyone ever said to me when it came to finances <clears throat> is if I was to ask you how much money is, do you want, and you said just enough, and I would ask you just enough for who? The problem is not that you know, you're, you're greedy. The problem is maybe you need to allow God to put a bigger vision on what you're supposed to do. Because I'll tell you this right now. How do you know if God has actually ordained you to create wealth? When you see that vision builders video, your heart goes, oh, heck yes. Heck yes. I think God made me to build some wealth and I would love to attach it to a kingdom purpose. It's always a fun topic, man. It's always a fun one. It is a fun one. It's so fun when, when, it, when, it's, when your response is knowing that God is good and I am going to bless people. And so I expect his blessing to be on my life. And it actually, you know what it does? It makes me want to be more holy, not less. Because I actually feel the weight of stewardship. And I'm not saying that everyone in here, y'all got to be driving a Bentley and balling and be on cribs, cribs or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am saying is that this whole false narrative that snuck in that to, to be prosperous and blessed somehow means that you're not fully surrendered to Jesus. That doesn't make sense. Somebody's got to pay for it to build a church building. Someone's got to pay to build an orphanage. Somebody's got to do the good work. And God says... He's given us the power to, do, to build wealth. All right. So here we go. A couple quick things. I'm not going to read the verse. I'll just give you where it is. But just five quick things when it comes to finance to get your head on right. Whoever loves money never has enough. So if you think that money is going to make you happy, that if, man, if I just get this raise, everything will change. You want to let the Holy Spirit begin to switch your response. Okay. Money... Money will not bring happiness. I was going to make a joke, but right there. Ecclesiastes 
Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. The difference is when you say, I'm going to be a kingdom builder and make money for the kingdom. See the the pivot there? Money is not my master. I don't need it. But I sure as heck am going to boss it around and use it when it comes. All right. Number two. Thank you. It is God who gives the ability to produce wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. To confirm his covenant. What? You're saying he actually wants to use that? All right, I'll leave that there. Number three, you cannot serve God and money. Cannot serve God and money. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The problem is people then take that and say, well, to make sure I don't make any mistakes, I just will never try to make money. And you might be called. You might be actually, that might be God's call on you to be a kingdom funder. But if you believe money is evil, money, money is only evil if it's your master. And you want to know how you know if somebody's your master? If you can't give it away. What you can't give owns you, and what you can give, and what, what you can't give owns you, and what you can give, you own. And so you're like, oh, wait, they, they talk about tithing here, you know? Yeah, because God, it's a heart thing. Jesus is, is not, they're not bankrupt up in heaven. Jesus isn't going, oh, dang it, John Day didn't tithe this week. How are we going to make the bills? No, it's not what he's doing. John tithes every week. But, but the point is, point is, it's not that God's trying to get, he's trying to get something to you. He's trying to make sure your heart doesn't become subject to money. All right. Uh, don't be greedy for money. I already talked about that. And yep, money is meant to be mastered not to be your master. And you know what? This also dictates into just an overall culture of investing in yourself. You know that it's okay to invest in personal growth. Uh, Jesus actually spends most, he would prefer every day to invest in time with you, exposure to him because it produces personal growth in your world. Personal growth, not bad. You know, there's opportunities even at at church. This twisted musical, this is such an easy opportunity to invest in your family, and you've got that family member who's like, eh, every once in a while comes to church, and it's like, you get them to this, they'll see the gospel through 80s rock music. It's going to change the game. It's going to change the game. You've got neighbors, you've been praying, God, you know, shut their dog up and let them get saved, or, you know. (laughs) You've been praying for people, but then there's an opportunity Right? So we respond with investing in others, investing in ourselves. It's just generosity. And so i just given you that little freebie there. Like whenever there's something like this where, wow, the gospel is going to get preached, there's an opportunity. I want to encourage you, you know, that's one way you pull the soldiers out. And you, say, you have that attitude of like, well, yeah, I'm going to invest in myself and see an awesome presentation of Jesus and, and his redemptive power through Scrooge. So cool. But then I'm also going to, Sowing other people. Sowing other people. Sowing and reaping. Tither's rights. How we respond. So I'll say this, and look, no judgment. Me and my wife have worked a lot on 
not letting anxiety come around our finances and stuff because, you know, it's real life. And even though I've seen God show up again and again, my, my, my God memory seems to have like a very easy like slip, right? <laughs> it's like, God did this amazing miracle one week later. We're going under, baby. We're never going to make it. <laughs> God brought in $200,000 here. I don't know if we're going to eat. <laughs> so we talk about it. But I want you to know this. This is why I love tithing. Even at the hardest financial time of our life, where honestly we should have went bankrupt, made some aggressive business decisions that flopped way the wrong. Everything that wasn't supposed to happen happened. But anyways, I remember we were just so tight. So tight. And God would just keep showing up. Showing up. Somehow the mortgage kept getting paid. But I would camp on the word of God. It says that with those who tithe, Malachi, see if I will not provide and open the windows of heaven. So I would camp there. I would say, God, I actually need, I'm at a place right now where this word needs to be real or I'm in a lot of trouble, but I'm going to camp here on this word. Okay, and last one. How do we respond to our spouse? tell you a quick story. We're going to pray here in a minute, but uh, your, your marriage, for those of you who are married, the gift of God is that, you know, the verse iron sharpens iron. You get invited into a place with a helpmate. So check it out. Jesus made man and woman to be together as helpmates. We're different in the right areas. We're similar in the right areas too, but we're also different in the right areas. And God has given you this person. And part of the way you know your marriage is working is there's a little bit of friction. Okay, sometimes, just being honest, there's a lot of friction. Because a lot of times we're not willing to change until we reach a certain point of pain where the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of changing, right? And our marriage is such a, such a, a playground for the Holy Spirit to really really open up and expose some of our beliefs, our thought patterns. I remember my wife had just had our first baby and it's just, just bad decision-making on my part. Uh, we had what, I think maybe a month old and uh, I, I was going to have coffee with my boys and uh, I had forgotten to t- remind her that, you know, it's Tuesday and I, I've missed a few because we just had the baby, but I get, get up early. We're going to get up. I'm going to get up at 530 and go do this. And I'm like, and I'm weighing out. Should I tell my wife or should I just sneak out? And maybe she'll be asleep. So I should have told my wife, right? All the ladies are like, you tell your wife. But I didn't want to wake her because sleep is so precious. So I just snuck out. I get home and she's awake and the baby's awake. And she has a look on her face that's communicating. I'm slightly disappointed with you. <laughs> Much more than that. So here's... Here's where I needed to have a good response. Not be selfish. Realize her body just made a human being who's my son. And just say, hey, baby, I'm so sorry. I should have woke you up. I was trying to keep you asleep, but I'm sorry you woke up. Baby woke you up. I wasn't here. I should have told you. You know, and after a while, she probably would have, everything would have been good. 
Instead, I, my response was, I should stand up for myself and be the man of this house. <laughs> it's a terrible response. So I proceeds to tell her, I'm like, you're mad at me for going and praying with my boys? Look at me. Man of God. She takes her coffee in the other room, and I, I decide to double down. I'm like, I'm a follower. I'm going to, uh, terrible, terrible. Is it okay that I tell this story, baby? Let me let you in the real world. So I walk in. Mind you, she's had a baby like three weeks, like hormones, everything. I mean, I'm in just, I don't realize I am in a danger zone. Like, like every red light in heaven's like, shut your mouth, Matt. Holy Spirit's like, shut up. <laughs> but I'm not hearing him. So I come in and I begin to assert myself. I'm like, how could you be mad at me? And then in a friendly, gentle, very hormonal way, she throws her coffee into the sink and explodes all over the mirror to let me know I should stop talking and be nice and apologize. To whence my next response in my brilliance was, you should probably laugh at her for throwing her coffee down. So I laughed and I said, you know, the only person that punished was you. So I woke up in the hospital two weeks later and then, no, no, no. <laughs> no, but she came at me like a spider monkey on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Is any of that story not true, baby? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, they were fists, people. I, <laughs> I learned that your wife's hormones are going through quite an experience right after you have a baby. Wish the doctor would have told me that before I got beat up. But no, but the point is, I, the reason I share that funny story is one, sometimes you just got to take the lid off and be like, okay, hey, welcome to like marriage, real marriage. Because you think you're the only marriage that's like, we're a little hot and volatile and we're fighting and no, 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 it's working. Now, you could be a lot better responding like I wasn't in that story, but it is working. I want to just say this. Uh, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Hold fast. You know, there's so much power in just your spouse knowing no matter how big the fight, I'm fighting for us, not against us. And I want to, you know, this marriage is it's like, why would you open this up when it's already altar call time? I'm not going to open up because there's, it's too, there's too many different levels. Some of you in here are coming, you know, there was a divorce and you're single. Some of you, you're married, but it's on the rock. Some of you, you're married and things are going great. Some of you, you're married, but something external is going on. So you're good, but your world's falling apart. And there's all these different places that a marriage can be at. Some of you aren't married yet and you're looking, okay? And you're in the right place. Keep looking. If you're a young adult, go to the young adult party, okay? I think Vince, I think you somehow set that up. I think you called your young adult pastor and be like, hey, can you call this an event? Thanks, cool. <laughs> Brilliant though, I need coaching. Well, I don't actually, I'm married. I already found mine, so. Some of the young adults need coaching. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Come back, Holy Spirit, come back. Hold fast. You know, the biggest thing you can change is when you're fighting. And I've tried to incorporate this is I, I, I try to 
if it's getting crazy, I say, I just want you to know I'm on team Loren. Or I'm, on, I'm on team Tuggle. I'm fighting for us to be connected. Even though it seems like right now we're fighting deep down inside, I do want us to be connected. But just the power of that. But I want to also encourage those of you. So hold fast. When, when your spouse knows that there's pretty much nothing they can do outside of, outside of unfaithfulness to, to make you ditch them, it creates a Jesus type of environment, an unconditional love scenario. But for those of you who maybe are married and your spouse doesn't go to church with you, I just want to real quick, because I feel like sometimes you, got, you get bypassed. One, I want you to know, God has not forgotten about you and you are not in a cursed thing. You're in a work miracle in process. You're in a MIP. Miracle in process. Exit or Acts 16.31 says it this. They replied, believe in the Lord your Jesus and you will be saved and your household. And then it says this in verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all his others in the house. So there was still a communication of the word of God. But he's just saying that, trust me, once you smuggle, because once you believe in Jesus, he gets in your heart. Here's the cool thing. You're a Trojan horse for Jesus to come into a situation. Any house you walk into, Jesus can have dominion there because he lives in you. In your marriage, when you get Jesus, he gets dominion in your house. And you know what's crazy? When you start to love people like Jesus, it gets pretty contagious. You begin to, they will gravitate towards it. We all have cycles, right? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Anybody have married fight cycles? You fight about like that one thing you never talk about because if you talk about it, it's a guaranteed fight. Anybody? Am I the only one? Amen, right? Those, those, those things, you know, like don't bring up the mother-in-law or whatever it is, whatever the thing is. It's what will throw and redeem the marriage is as you begin to get filled with Jesus and now you don't need to be right in this argument to know your value. And now you don't have to win every time. You don't have to be prideful and be the, the, not be the first one to apologize. You begin to break the cycles because they don't work with Jesus because your spouse looks at you and goes, okay, you're gonna go there? I'm going, to put, I'm going to push the red button. I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the nuclear fight. I'm going to go to the one that last time you were on the couch for two weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to push the button. And they push the button. And, and they know how it's going to play out. This fight plays out like this. And, 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 and the button's pushed and you go, you know what? I'm sorry for the way I've been talking to you. I really actually just want us to be connected and I, and I, and I love you and I'm for you and I'm sorry and with that we just said yes that hurts but and then listen your spouse your unsafe spouse first time you do that they're actually going to still be mad because they're gonna be like hey you changed the rules that's not fair you might get a whole new fight <laughs> but it rattles them problem is, is you don't realize that the the change from comes from the inside out with jesus so you begin to love your spouse like jesus you might not see it right away but as you choose selfless as you choose because you're getting filled with Jesus and you have Jesus and he's meeting all your needs, you watch. Your spouse eventually is going to be like, okay, what, what are you drinking? 
What, what, do you, what, what do you want? Why, is, why? why are we not fighting how we used to fight? You're freaking me out. And then you invite them to Twisted or to church. Come on. Can I get an amen? Loving people like Christ draws them to him. Can we stand to our feet? I'm going to close up. Look, very quickly, everything starts with your response is when you get Jesus. Your responses begin to change when you have Jesus. Because the truth is, the reason you're responding the way you're responding now without Jesus is because there's a real need in you and it's not being met. Most of our irrational responses of anxiety, fear, rage, anger, whatever it is, temptation, they all come from an identity crisis because we don't know whose we are and we don't know how much he loves us. And so today I'm gonna have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. If you're ready to see God begin to shift in your life the responses to the scenarios, to the situations you're facing, in your relationships. I feel like somebody here, you feel like you have no real friendships. You can't figure out why. If you're ready to see a shift and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, sure you've heard about him, sure you kind of know about him, maybe you've been going to church, but he's not the Lord of your life. He's not your, your king and your savior. I want to give you the opportunity. I want to pray with you because it starts there. Because it's not just self-help. It's the power of the living God transforming you from the inside out. If just self-help worked, there's so many self-help books out there. People are still broken. They need Jesus on the inside. So if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you did, but you, if you were being honest, you're like, I took the steering wheel back and I have, I have not let him lead. And I, he's not king right now. And you just say, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. If that's you, everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray for you, but would you do me a favor and be brave and raise your hand? So you're just telling God, that's me, God, I'm in. I'm going to count three. One, two, three. Who's that? Who am I praying for? Everyone's heads down, eyes closed. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? This is just so you saying, God, count me in on this prayer. Thank you. I see your hand. Awesome. Thank you. I sell your hand. Okay, church, let's all pray this out loud together. Dear Jesus, today I commit my life to you and I make you the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I want to walk with you in my world. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you died for my sins and that you have fully forgiven me and you fully love me and that today is the beginning of a new life, a new trajectory and a new way of responding to this world. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.